0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. It is a relationship with the living God through
1: his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. So anytime my life gets too difficult, I know that's not the Lord because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, Far from putting additional legalistic burdens on each other, we ought to look for opportunities to bear the already heavy burdens that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are bearing. That's the law of love.
0: In your walk with Jesus, have you ever been caught up in sin while trying to help others out of the same sin? We all make mistakes, and it's easy to slip back into our old habits, especially when we're exposed to it. Today, Pastor Jeff explains that if you want to live a life that is continually getting closer and closer to the heart of Jesus, you need to turn and run from the sin that's held you hostage in the past. It's important to help other believers deal with their sins, but always focus on your own purity. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, as he continues his message, The Ministry of Restoration. The Good Samaritan. He pours in oil and wine,
1: a picture of the Holy Ghost, a picture of the love of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit that burns in the lamp. That's the Holy Spirit. Pours it into the open wound, oil to soothe and wine to cleanse. He picks up that fallen one then, surrounds him with love, is not afraid of the cost that is going to be required to get him restored. Are y'all with me? This moves me as I'm sharing it right now. This good Samaritan is the way that every member of the body of Christ is supposed to be towards the fallen. He picks up that fallen one, surrounds him with love. He's not afraid of what's going to cost him. He provides out of his own pocket for his continual care. And there you have the picture. of the, Takes him to a hotel and pays for his room and ministers to him until he's on his feet again. Far too often, the fallen in the church are treated like lepers. Now, I'm going to say that again. Far too often, I've seen it over and over again, the fallen are treated like lepers by the church of the Lord Jesus Christ when our Savior gave us the perfect picture in the story of the Good Samaritan how to treat the fallen, how to treat the hurt, how to treat the bleeding, how to minister to the one that's down. Even the world doesn't shoot its own that are found wounded on the battlefield. Can you imagine being in, in, a, uh, in an army and you're meeting another army, your enemy, in a field and a bullet wings you in the arm and you fall down? Can you imagine one of your own army coming up and saying, man, you got hit. Why'd you let yourself get hit? How could you let yourself, this happen to you, Bloom! Boom! But I'm going to tell you, I've been on the receiving end of that, and it is vicious, and it is painful. And I told myself, I will never do anyone that way. Because when you're fallen, when you're down, when you're shot, you need a good Samaritan. You need Jesus coming up and going, let me pour in the Holy Spirit. Let me pour in the cleansing wine. Let me get you on your feet. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what links I've got to go. You are worth restoring. You are worth getting back in the race. You are worth because you're a valuable soldier. So whatever it costs me, I'm going to pay it to get you restored. And I've seen many through the years treated the same way, and it's a, it's a sad thing because. Um, Like I said, even the secular lost world doesn't do that. The church does too often. It's one of the great shortcomings and the glaring faults of the body of Christ. No doubt, Paul has in mind those that had already fallen prey to the false teachers. The whole book of Galatians is about those false teachers that came into the church and they were luring and seducing and deceiving uh, Paul's spiritual children back into Judaism. And many of them had fallen into it. So there's no doubt about it that... They were now seeing their mistake and they were wounded on the side of the road because they had believed doctrinal error. Their relationship with Jesus had been hindered or hurt or cut off altogether. And Paul is now telling the truly spiritual people, don't you dare kick the ones out who believe those lies. Don't you dare treat them carnally. I want you to do with them what the good Samaritan did. You restore them. Every one of them are worth restoring. Church, there's not a child of God that's not worth restoring. I mean, there's not one. And you know what? I don't know of a child of God that's ever fallen that did not hate it deep in their innermost, innermost hate that they fell. Would do anything to reverse it. They're not sitting there going, all right, good deal. You know, I, I, I fell, I'm in sin now, I'm loving this. No, they hate every microsecond of it. But they know they're fallen. They need restorers, not elder brothers. Remember the elder brother in the prodigal son? The prodigal son goes off into sin. I love Jesus' parables. The prodigal son goes off into sin, spends all of his inheritance on prostitutes and crazy wild living comes to himself and says, what in the world have I been doing? I lost my mind. He says, I'm going home, but I know the father ain't going to receive me as a son, but I'll just tell him I'm willing to be a servant because even the servants have it better than I have it in this pig pen. So he gets this speech in his head. He's ready to give his speech to the father. The father sees him coming from a distance, has been waiting for him the whole time, has not one time disowned him as a son. I'm going to say it again, has not one time disowned him as a son. Amen. Didn't say, well, I disowned you, but since you're repenting, you're back again. You're unborn, then born, unborn, then born, unborn, then born, lost, then found, lost, then found. I'm lost this week, found the next week. No, I never disowned you. I knew you would come to this. I knew what was in the far country. I knew it would eat you alive. I knew that it would destroy you and that you'd end up in the equivalent of a pig pen, eating pig food, remembering the way you had it. I was just waiting on you because some things you need to come to yourself. No one can tell you. You've got to find out yourself. So I've been waiting, looking at the horizon for you to return. I knew you'd be back. He didn't even get his speech out. He didn't even get a chance to say all that he had In his mind, he said, bring the fatted calf, put shoes on his feet, put a ring on his finger, put a robe of righteousness back on him. For this, my son, who was lost, is now found. Now, amen. That's the prodigal son. So in the same way the prodigal came to himself, these people in Galatia, these saints who had been won to Christ by Paul, were seeing their mistake. And they needed the gentle hand of restoration, not the slap of condemnation. The apostle urges, don't discard them. Don't reject them. Don't turn them aside. Rather, you who are spiritual, say it with me, everybody. Restore them. You who are spiritual must undertake the task of correcting faults and failings among the brethren. Now, the restoration, says Paul, must be done in a spirit of meekness. Now, how come? Why did he say you better restore in meekness and gentleness, watching yourself, considering yourself? Well, it's because meekness, that fruit of the Spirit, is the very best in dealing with the fallen. It's disarming. It carries with it no sense of blame. It doesn't lecture. Don't you hate being lectured? It doesn't lecture. It doesn't need to lecture. The reproofs and the consequences of their sin is lecturing them every day. It doesn't express disgust. It's keenly aware of how easy it is for anyone to fall. The person walking in meekness will be considering himself, lest, lest he too be tempted. Very important here. The word for consider, considering yourself is scopeo, scopeo. And it refers primarily to a watchman. And it means scope. You see the word scope in there? You're scoping yourself out. You're you're checking your own heart out because you don't want to go counsel somebody and try to take the speck out of their eye when there's a two by four in your own eye. You can't have the same thing in your own life and operate on somebody else's. I'm not going to let an ophthalmologist touch my eye who's got a big patch on his own eye. But a lot of Christians, they live in you know, the same thing they condemn others for. So he's saying the idea is that the one doing the restoring must be ever mindful of his own frailty because temptation lurks in the path of all of us. How many of you know you could fall? Boy, I wish I'd have seen every hand. Not me, Pastor Jeff. I've been walking with God for 40 years. Oh, watch it, brother. Hey, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, one day at a time. Amen? Amen. How often have we heard of a would-be counselor who has fallen into the very sin from which he has been seeking to rescue somebody else? Paul then uses the illustration of a burden bearer. In verse 2, after talking about restoration, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. The law of Christ is the all encompassing law of love. What is the law? Notice he says, fulfill the law of Christ. What is it? What's the law of Christ? It's love. The Judaizers were trying to load those believers down with the impossible burden of the law and Jewish tradition, which we saw over and over again in Galatians can't save you, you can't do it you can't perform it there's no way you can keep all the commandments because the commandments are weak because of our flesh jesus graphically described the pharisees and i've known a few matthew 23 verse 4 what do they do they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and they lay them on your shoulders but they themselves won't move them with one of their fingers in other words Do what I say, but don't do what I do. And I'll lay a burden on you, but I'm not going to lay the same burden on me. And that's what the Pharisees were great at. This should not be so of us. Listen, Christianity is not a burden. It is not a bunch of rules and regulations. It is a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, my burden is light. And my yoke is easy. So, anytime my life gets too difficult, I know that's not the Lord because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Now, far from putting additional legalistic burdens on each other, we ought to look for opportunities to bear the already heavy burdens that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are bearing. That's the law of love. Such brethren are everywhere. In this room, there are so many burdens being carried by people. In this room. Some deal with financial burdens. A lot in our current uh, economy are dealing with that. Uh, Others have physical infirmities that they wake up with every day. It's a burden, and they carry it. They have to. They haven't been healed yet. It's there, and they carry it. Still others are burdened daily by wayward loved ones. They wake up knowing their children are living like demons and, and could be destroyed by what they're doing, and it's a burden on them. Others carry a load of guilt and shame. They can't get past it. They just cannot get past it. Dealt with a, I dealt with an individual this week that cannot get past something they did. They just can't get past it. No matter how much I talk about the blood, the power of the blood, they have the hardest time forgiving themselves. They're not in the church, so I'm not telling on anybody. Because A lot of you are looking around. There's <laughs> nobody here. But they couldn't get past it. They can't forgive themselves. They can't look themselves in the mirror and say, I forgive you as God has forgiven you. They can't get past it. It's a a burden. So what are we to do? We're to help bear one another's burdens, help them carry the load. That's the law of Christ. That's the law of Christ. It's like Simon of Cyrene, the black man. When Jesus was carrying the cross up the hill and couldn't make it, he dropped. And And they forced Simon to help him carry it. And he and he helped Jesus carry that cross. That's the picture. We move in with our brother, pray with them, encourage them. We're to encourage one another daily as we see the day approaching. That, that's the purpose. That's why you can't talk to a TV screen, and it can't really reach out and talk to you personally. There are plenty of burdens to be shared in this fallen world of ours, everybody. Plenty as a minister. I often recite to myself the Lord's words, quote, Inasmuch as you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, the least of these, you have done it to me. I quote that to myself a lot. If I'm really down in the gutter with someone, and it's dirty, and it's difficult, and it's stinky, and it's hard, I tell myself, Would I do this for Jesus? Oh, in a heartbeat. Then I'll do it for them. Inasmuch as I've done it for them, I'm doing it for him. It's not just for that person. When we think that what what we're doing for a brother or sister is the same as doing it for the Lord, it turns the task into a joy. Now, next, Paul gives advice for practical Christian living. That's what I love about Paul. He closes all of his letters with practical Christian living. Day to day, how are you going to walk this out when you wake up in the morning and go to work. How you walk this thing out? He has three bits of counsel. Are you ready for them? Say with me, I'm ready. ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready for Paul's counsel. He's going to tell you how to live the Christian life where the rubber meets the road. Okay? First one, mark your own boundaries. Here's the verse. Verse three. For if anyone thinks himself to be something... I could say somebody when he is what, everybody? Paul, you are hurting my self-esteem, telling me I'm nothing. Do you know self-esteem, the way our culture is teaching it, will kill you and turn your children into demons? He's not telling you you don't have any value. He's saying don't think more of yourself than you should. Because if you do, you're deceiving yourself. In modern psychology, there is a phrase that describes what Paul is saying here. It's called the Peter Principle. What's the Peter Principle? It refers to the mistake of promoting a man beyond the level of his competence. That's the Peter Principle. Now, let me give you an example. A man might be a first-class salesman, great salesman, can sell ice to an Eskimo, okay? But that doesn't mean he's going to make a successful sales manager. I assure you. But you say, well, because he's a first class salesman, he's going to make a great sales manager. You find out in a week or two, he has no clue how to deal with people in management. Paul's warning here against overestimating yourself. Mark your own boundaries. The moment you start thinking that you are somebody, you are headed for trouble. You know why? Because pride comes before a fall. i told you, I have a habit, and I've had it as far back as I can remember. I go home right after a service before I let myself eat or do anything for myself. I go straight to my little place of prayer, and I say, Lord, I give you the glory for what happened. Even if the service was lackluster, I say, Lord, I thank you that anybody was there. I say, Lord, I give you the glory. And you know why I do that? Because there is no way that I'm going to start walking around strutting that I had anything to do ultimately with what he did. Now I cooperate. Of course I do. And I'm going to get reward for being obedient to the Lord in the ministry. But what happens spiritually, what happens supernaturally, and and just the whole calling he's given me, that's to his glory. And I know that if he took, if he wanted to, he could take my breath away now. And that would be it. So I give him the glory. I do that because I know who did it. You ever think about that donkey riding into Jerusalem with Jesus on his back? He had never been ridden. That donkey had never experienced anything like what happened when Jesus got on his back and he was ridden in Jerusalem. What would you think if that little donkey with all the palm leaves falling in front of him and all the people going, Hosanna, Hosanna, if he had started strutting. (laughs) Would that be one deceived donkey? Wouldn't you want to go up and say, hey dude, it's not you. It's who's on your back. Come on everybody. (laughs) So we donkeys need to remember who's carrying us. Jesus is using us to bring him into the city, but all those palm leaves are for him, not you. Right? So that's the Peter principle. When you start think, when the donkey starts thinking it's all about him, pride comes before a fall. So we're to mark our boundaries. Remember who you are. The apostle's second word of advice is, mind your own business. I like that one. Can you tell your neighbor that? Some of you turn right to your spouse. Mind your own business. Watch this. Look at verse four. Let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Powerful verse there. This is a simple caution to everyone who's engaged in some form of Christian ministry, and that ought to be everybody in here. You're all at least a witness to his glory. We should avoid, like the plague, the subtle addiction to the approval of others. It's it's wisest to assess for yourself. For yourself, you assess the value of your own work. You assess it does not the Bible, say, let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself. People's opinions are fickle at best. Can I tell you the truth? People's opinions of you and me change like the wind. You're a hero one day, you're a zero the next. They pat you on the back one day, stab you in the back the next. In some cases, not always, but yeah, they do. Um, To your face, they'll tell you you're the greatest thing since peanut butter. Away from you, they're running you down. That's people. It is not in the province of one believer to assess the ministry of another. I've been around a while. I've been in the ministry a long time. And you're going to have to take right what I say here, the way I intend it. I don't care what people think. Now, I care about having a testimony for Christ. But as to their opinion about my ministry, I take it with a major grain of salt. I'm really getting more ornery the older I get. (laughs) I'm just getting aware I don't care because I know they're not going to be there when I face the Lord. And their opinion isn't going to matter a hill of beans when I face the Lord. You know what's going to matter? What he thinks. So, I've, I've decided I'm going to perform for an audience of one. I don't perform. Catch this now. This is very important. Because if you're always afraid of what people think about your ministry, you are paralyzed. If you really do try to please all the people all the time, you will have analysis paralysis. You will be paralyzed and get nothing done. So, I've decided I, I know where I'm at, I know what I believe. I know where I stand, so I've decided I'm gonna preach what I know I believe, and I let the chips fall. And if they don't like it, well, every once in a while, people leave because they get mad at something I said. Can you believe that me? They get mad at something I said. I just think I'm a likable, smiling kind of a pastor guy, but people get mad and they leave because I said something, literally. You know where I'm at? Okay, okay. Because they'll leave and five will replace them. And that's the way it works. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, so, you know what? I assess myself, I look at, at, you know, are we seeing fruit? Are people being saved? Is God growing his church? Is he blessing it? And if so, then I'm okay. And as long as I have peace with him, and I'm doing what I know He told me to do, I'm okay.
0: What a wonderful word from Pastor Jeff in today's message. We were shown what it means to be a healthy Christian that supports and is able to be supported by fellow believers. It's not enough to try and do it all on your own. If you want to experience all that God has in store for you, nothing is more important than surrounding yourself with healthy brothers and sisters in Christ. Live out your full purpose by letting fellow believers be your support system. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. You've been listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to DONATE. We're so grateful for your continued support in listening to this program and also investing in the ministry. Once again, text GIVE to 817-484-4767 to GIVE. Here's Daniel one more time with a sneak peek about the next edition. Next time on Hardwired, Pastor Jeff shows us what it means to be a Christian who makes an impact in the sight of the Lord. As our series in the book of Galatians comes to a close, we must always remember the things that must be held closest to our hearts. The fruits of the Spirit, the perfect love of Jesus, and the importance of turning and running away from sin. Maintain your closeness with Jesus in your faith by choosing to sacrifice yourself every day for Him. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Galatians right here on Hardwired.